Good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning. I was real excited in May, I think it was late May, when Paul Bandis called me, Brandis called me and said, hey, would you mind doing convocation for us? It's on Friday, September 2nd. And I thought, wow, what a prime time. Friday before a three-day weekend. They're bringing in the big hitters for this thing. I mean, I'm surprised and impressed with how many are here this morning. I was figuring there'd probably be like 20 because everybody's heading home on the first three-day weekend after school started. But it's a privilege for me to be here. Um, it's not that I haven't been back on campus in the last 40 years. I think, thank you, Jose, for letting him know I graduated in 82. But I'm grateful for that. As you know, my wife and I have had two of our own children have come through college and graduated from Sterling College. Uh, We've had a lot that's gone on. For those math majors out here, see if you can figure this out. My first time that I can recollect even being on this campus was in 1962 when my dad graduated from here. And then I came back three years later in 1965 when my oldest sister started as a freshman. So figure that one out. Been back for many times, but really enjoy it. And so as I prepared today, I wanted to make sure that I could connect with you. You know, the, it's, it's kind of always fun to connect with college kids and, and think of what's happening in your life. So I thought, how can I connect with you? And I thought, well, I'm not an Erwin McManus who wears high-top basketball shoes that are always untied with matching faded-out jeans and a blue jean jacket with, with a white T-shirt and chains and bracelets everywhere. I'm not that guy. And I'm not Sean McDowell who wears nice, fancy pants with uh, Marvel t-shirts all the time. I'm not that guy that has the spiked hair. This is what you get, a 62-year-old grandpa of three that wears a white shirt and tie. That's just who I am, and that's who you're going to get today. But as we come here today, I want you to know that I'd probably be the most comfortable if I was in full camo gear sitting out under a tree with Christian's grandpa hunting turkeys. That's, that's my, that's my go-to place but that's not where I am today. But what got me here today is the chance that I get to be here and speak to you. And, and I've learned a lot along this journey that I call life. And I'm still learning. So this morning when Paul first asked me to preach and then Jose kept saying, hey, are you coming? Are you coming? I'm coming. Yeah, I'm coming. I want to speak to you on a topic that was first opened up to me by Earl Palmer. Earl Palmer uh, had been the pastor at uh, Seattle Presbyterian Church at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle since 1991. I've loved listening to him. He's a great speaker if you ever had a chance to listen to him. But he talks on a project that he calls the humor of Jesus. And I've loved that aspect of studying the scriptures and looking at it. So, so what do you think? Does Jesus have a sense of humor? Have you ever looked at the scriptures as Jesus having a sense of humor? I mean, think about it. He picks out 12 guys. And he takes these 12 guys and rips them out of their life and says, come with me. We're going to spend the next three years together, okay? Three years, day in and day out, with 12 guys. You think there'd be any shenanigans or any playful activity going on of these 13 men walking around the community? Or do you think Jesus just stoically walked everywhere and would stop and then they'd listen? What's he going to say? If you don't think there was some kind of humor and some kind of aspect of real life going on, women, you can't do this, but spend a week in Campbell or Kilburn or Douglas. Hang out with guys for a week and tell me that there wasn't humor with Jesus and the disciples as they walked through life. 
Here's two examples of, I think, God's sense of humor. And I loved the second song. Thank you, praise team, for singing that second song. I was just captivated by the words, you are my masterpiece. Have you ever thought of that? God looking down on you and saying, you are my masterpiece. I created you. So here's the first image of God's sense of humor. Every morning I look in a mirror. There it is. I mean, that, that's the old mic drop, okay? The humor of God, look in a mirror. That's all you really need to do. The second one for me was 40 plus years ago. It was 44 years ago. I was in your shoes as a freshman. My father was a minister, grew up in the church. Literally, I grew up in the church from age when I was born in the church. Went to every church meeting, went to every Sunday school, even when we were on vacation, went to every youth meeting. I was in churches everywhere. I was doing things with activities in the church. I was the image of a kid in church. So we come to college here, right? We had required chapel. Seats were not near as nice as what you're sitting in now. First class, first semester, bib lit. Biblical content. Anybody still have to take that? Is that still a class? Some? No? Well, I guess they learned from me. <laughs> so I take this class. Piece of cake. Been a preacher's kid my whole life. Been around the Bible. I had many Bibles. I think I read one once. Going through the class. I didn't need to study. I knew the Bible. Tests would come. I'd fill them out. Not a problem. Somehow we got to the end of the year, and it came to the final. And as I did the final, finished it, and got my report cards towards the, you know, my grades at the end of the semester, back home for Christmas break, it was very evident to me that Fran Calderwood, the teacher, was definitely reading from a different Bible than I did. I got a D in the class. The only D I've ever gotten in my life. Now, here's the humor of God. Many times if you take a class and you get a D or an F, you have to retake it, right? No, God said, no, I got a different plan for you. You get to study the Bible your whole life. Because I was not going to be a minister. I was not going to do what, what happened to my pulpit? <laughs> there we go. We're back up. I was not going to do what my dad did. I, I mean, I knew what a minister did. And there's no way I was going to do that. The humor of God when he goes, <laughs> want to bet? So I've been studying the Bible, making up for my D for the last 30-some years and finding that there are so many fun things in the Bible, so many things that, that are just a part of God's humor that we miss if we don't take the time to read the Bible. So let me turn to the Scriptures. We're going to read those now. It's out of Matthew 22. I'm going to be looking at verses 15 through verses 22. I don't know if they're going to be on the screen but if they are, you can follow along. If you have your Bible, <laughs> there's old generation again. Pull out your phones. Pull your Bible up on your phone. Let's go to God in prayer, and then we'll read the word. Father, as we come to your, to your throne today, we come to listen as your word becomes real to us, as we get the chance to hear your word. So, Lord, as we, as we meditate, as we study, as we contemplate, as we question your word, may your spirit speak to us, just as it spoke to those who wrote it. And guide us, Lord, that we might understand it in great detail today. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Matthew 22, beginning in verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and he plotted, and they plotted on how to entangle Jesus in his words. And they, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearance. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus answered and was aware of their malice. And he said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and whose image is inscription is is this? And they said, this is Caesar's. And then he said to them, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render unto God the things that are God. And then they heard it and they marveled and they left him and they went away. So did you see the humor in that? Did you find what makes that hilarious? Obviously, we need a little lesson on it. I didn't see it in the many years I studied it until I, I got a chance to think about it. Side note for us here. I'm one of those old school pastors. I still believe the Old Testament is important for us. I still believe that we have to study and know the Old Testament to get the richness of the New Testament. Because when it came to having things to read, what did the, the scribes and the Pharisees and, and all the people have? They had what we now call the Old Testament. That's what they had. That's what they knew. Now, I would ask you one thing. This is the time in your life to fall in love with the Bible. This is your time in life to start looking at it. You're, gonna, you're in a point in life where they're asking you to question everything. Or you're being told by society to question everything. I ask you to, to question the Bible. Why does Jesus state it like this? Why is it written like this? And fall in love with the Bible because it is a beautiful, beautiful history of God loving on his masterpiece. So fall in love with it. Look at the Bible. So let's walk through this passage quickly as we see the humor in this passage and see how the Bible comes alive when we realize that these are real people that God is putting in our lives. The Pharisees were considered the experts, and you guys know this, they were considered the experts of the law of God and the rules of the temple. They loved to follow the law, and they wanted to make sure that everybody else followed the law as well. They were the, the rule keepers. You know the rule keepers, right? doesn't matter what happens. If it's a rule, I'm keeping it. If this is what we're supposed to do, I'm going to follow it no matter what. Well, that was the Pharisees. They were the law keepers. They wanted to follow all the rules, and more importantly, they loved making other people follow the rules. Even if they may not have, they liked other people following the rules. There was nothing more for them to want to do than to expose Jesus to see if he really understood the truth of God's word. It's kind of funny that if they believed what they said, then there wouldn't have been a problem because they said to Jesus, we know that you are true and teach the way of God faithfully and truthfully. When they said that, Jesus could have said, amen. And the situation could have been done, but they pushed it. It could have been over, but they pushed it. So here comes the ultimate question to Jesus. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Simple question. 
Do you follow the laws of the Roman Empire and disregard the law of God? If so, then the Pharisees have put Jesus into a position where he puts the emperor above God. Or do you put God over the Roman emperor? And then if that was the case, if Jesus answered like that, then they could turn him into the Roman emperor. And either way, they had him what they thought would be out of their hair. This speaks to us today. When, when you think about your life right now, where's your true allegiance this morning? Is your true allegiance truly to God? I mean, I think of listening to this contemporary music, and, and I think back to 40-some years ago, contemporary music then was Keith Green, and Keith Green always said, you know, just because you go to McDonald's, it doesn't make you a hamburger, just as much as going to convocation or chapel doesn't make you a believer. So where's your allegiance this morning? Is it to God? Is it to your nation? Is it to this institution? Or one of the many things in life that you could put your allegiance to? One thing I love about Sterling College is its leadership as it carries no other authority in its life except the authority of the Almighty God. And we try to follow God's plan for this institution. That's why I've been a part of this place pretty much my whole life. Or is your allegiance to something completely different? And we can make anything our God if we worship it. So in general, we can, we can be, all be asked this morning, do you choose to serve anything but God or do you serve God? With that question asked, Jesus be, begins a moment in the lives of the Pharisees that I'm sure that they wish they could take back. As soon as Jesus asks the question, I'm sure the, the, the Pharisees were thinking, Oh, what have we got ourselves into? Jesus wanted them to be a part of this lesson. Do you ever wonder why Jesus just didn't ask the question, whose likeness is on the coin? He says, show me a coin. Why didn't he just say, whose picture's on it? Well, because knowledge is as much the experience as it is in the knowing. Most of your knowledge is going to come because of the experiences you have, along with the book knowledge that you have. When I was here, we had a psychology professor. Now, you could not do this in a classroom today. But 44 years ago, we were sitting in the psychology class. The professor was talking about the aspects of what happens in an adrenaline rush. Or what happens if all of a sudden your body is spooked. What do you remember? And so as the professor's talking like that, this person comes running into the room, ah, shouting things, pulls a 22 caliber pistol out with blanks and goes, bang, turns around and runs out of the room. You couldn't do that today, trust me. And then he said, what'd you see? Describe the person and what you heard. By the time we had a couple girls stop crying, couple guys trying to say, well, I would have stopped him if he'd have been in here longer, as they were hiding in the corner. We started talking about, was the person male or female? How tall were they? I mean, we had images of all over from 6'5 to 350 pounds to 5'2, 100 pounds, white, black, female, male. All, I mean, it was all over the place. Nobody had a clue what had gone on. 
But what we had figured out was that knowledge is as much the experience as it is in the knowing. If he would have just described this through the book knowledge, we wouldn't have got it like we did then. I wouldn't be talking about it 44 years later. So Jesus asked them, show me the coin for the tax. Now, as I thought about this, I thought, who am I speaking to here, okay? Let me, let me just see a show of hands. Who in here has coins in their pocket? Oh, old school man after my own heart. Did you have your hand up too? Okay. You guys don't carry coins, do you? If I were to ask you this, whose image is on the quarter? Anybody know? Washington. Who's on the dime? Who? Rose, who? On the dime? Are we sure? I have to look at my notes. I can't remember. It is Roosevelt. There you go. Nickel? Jefferson. And we know the penny is Lincoln. So, it, so you guys at least know the coins. You at least know them. But part of the lesson for Jesus was for them to experience their own understanding of the law. So as they brought the coin to Jesus, which they probably pulled out of either a pocket of their garment, or if they had on a robe without a pocket, they would have had a pouch on it. So when they said that, and Jesus says, show me the likeness on the coin, they would reach in their pocket, and they'd pull out the coin, and he asked them the question, whose image is on the likeness of the coin? It's very easy. They can look down and see, right? Or if they're like you, they know. Now, Remember, they're good law keepers. Quick history lesson. What's the second commandment of the top ten? You shall have no other likenesses of anybody else on you. No image, no graven image other than God. And the Jewish law said, if you are a good follower of the Ten Commandments, you don't even carry the likeness of anybody else on your person. You don't have any image about you except the image of God. Now, as soon as he says, show me a coin and whose likeness is on it, they would have gone, seize, oh, jeez. Or this would have been when Homer Simpson would have gone, boom. He had them. He caught them in their own falseness. I mean, can't you just see Jesus saying, whose image is on the coin? And they go, Caesar. And he goes, <laughs> who are you trying to trick? Who are you trying to trick? As they tried to trap Jesus with their deceit, Jesus turned the tables on them to show them of their own deceit and fully loving God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their might. I can only imagine how much fun Jesus would have had just to, to think about it and just to look at them and saying, you guys don't get it. I can play tricks with you all day long. I can show you the humor in your own fallity. Jesus said, but what did he do? He didn't do any of that stuff. This is really key. He said these words. Render, give to Caesar that which is Caesar's. Pay your taxes. And give to God that which is God's. Again, I'm asking you to go back into your Old Testament. Think back into history. God created male and female. He created them equal. But what does it say? He created them in his image. God created you in his image. Your masterpiece. Love that. You are created in the image of God. 
In our world today, under your government, any government, you will be required to submit to the rulers that which they deem theirs. But they are never to have you. You are God's. Jesus was also telling the Pharisees and us that we live in a world and there are things that we do as part of this world, but the ultimate reason for our existence is to give ourselves back to God. And the more we give ourselves back to God, the more God makes us valuable in the world. Listen to that. Give unto Caesars the image of Caesar, the ruler, give to them what is rightfully theirs. But give to God the image of God. And who is the image of God? You are. Each one of you is the image of God and you are a beautiful thing. I couldn't have picked a better song to think about that. And that's, friends, that's how your God works. He goes before us and puts things in our place that just molds it all together for us. And you can see the beauty of how big God is. You are his masterpiece. He has created you wonderful. Every time you look in the mirror, don't see the humor of God. See the image of God. See the beauty of God. See how God has created you unique and wonderful. And you are just now in a point of life where you're beginning to experience this. But give to God that which is God's. And that's you. That's you. The scripture reaffirms that for us. When you're the image of God, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. When you are part of God's, apart from God, you can do nothing. But through God, you can do all things. Each day, someone is asking something of you. I know, I've been there. I'm still there. Somebody's asking something out of you every day. If it's not a coach, if it's not a teacher, if it's not a professor, if it's not an administrator, if it's not your roommate, if it's not your friends, if it's not your parents, go on and on and on. Somebody's asking something out of you. Deadlines to meet, more to do. And in the midst of them, remind yourself one thing. The last thing Jesus left the Pharisees with was this. Give to God what is God's. And that's your heart. That's your time, and that's your intelligence, and your imagination, your free time, and your love. Make time for God, because God always has time for you. And in those moments when life seems so crazy and something makes you smile or laugh, think of it as the humor of Jesus. Making your day just a little bit brighter. He'll bring humor to you. Look in a mirror. God will bring laughter into your day if you give God your life. If you show him that you want to follow him, he'll give you things to smile about, to laugh about, to enjoy as you walk through this journey. My only request is as you read the Bible, Fall in love with it. Fall in love with the Word of God as He shows you things you'll never see on your own. As He'll help you laugh through life when it seems to be the hardest. And when you look in the mirror, you'll learn through reading the Word of God that you're not seeing the humor of God as much as you are seeing the face of God. God created you for a purpose, 
for a plan, for a place, and right now that's right here. Make the most of it. Enjoy it. Soak it all up. And study hard because your professor may be reading a different book than you are. As Fran Calderwood did for me 40-something years ago. But know that God truly loves you and is on your side. And give to God that which is God's. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for each person here and just what they bring to this place. Lord, I love the fact that we remind ourselves daily that you created us in your image for a purpose. So I ask, Lord, that you would bless these students, that you would bless this place, that you would bless this administration. And Father, that they would just enjoy each day, that they would grow together, that they would realize what they are truly building is lifelong friendships. And Lord, give them each one in here today, give them something today to laugh about, to smile about, to realize that you truly are with them. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.